So uh, let's get started. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here at the Flashpoint Podcast uh, on this Thursday night. My name is Owen Higgins. I am your host of the podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by Brian Meyer of Teleser. We're going to be talking about the election in Brazil. You will remember last time that Brian was on, uh, we talked about the election, you know, kind of um, in the context of uh, kind of well-known conservative pundit Glenn Greenwald and his husband, uh, who are active in Brazilian politics as well as American politics. And we talked about uh, Ciro Gomes, who's kind of this uh, I guess you'd say kind of quote-unquote third-party candidate, even though they have multiple parties in Brazil because they like democracy more than other countries, um, and uh, and kind of how they do this kind of, you know, uh, first past the post uh, or, or a runoff, uh, you know, if you get like 50% or more. And so uh, the very, very basic, and Brian will, you know, explain all of this, but the very br- basic situation here is that you have Jair Bolsonaro, who is the incumbent far-right president, um, <clears throat> who has been certainly making some noise, like he would like to see a uh, military coup or military dictatorship. Uh, again, we'll have Brian explain all of that. Uh, and then we have the formerly imprisoned uh, leftist uh, former president, uh, Lula, uh, who is uh, kind of, and they are the, the top two, uh, they're the two front runners, I think you would say. And Brian, you, so you've been in uh, Brazil for a long time. You have, have obviously been covering both of these men and the politics of Brazil for a long time. So thank you so much for being here again. Um, what has changed since last time we talked? I know that you, you've written a few articles for FAIR and obviously your work for Teleser. Uh, you know, what, what, what have we seen that um, has changed uh, in the last couple of months? Uh, is is the race, race tightening up? Has has uh, Bolsonaro or Lula uh, taken a clear lead or advantage? What's what's going on? Well, as it stands right now, um, Lula, by the most reliable polls, is still has a double digit lead, um, and we're only about uh, we're less than twenty days away from the elections. The elections are October second. Uh, it's hard to say, you know, um, the electoral courts froze all of Bolsonaro's biggest financers' uh, bank accounts for illegally planning a coup d'etat using social media apps for September 7th, and that got blocked. Uh, the threatened coup d'etat by Bolsonaro, certainly a, a pretty uh, terrifying moment. All right, Brady, you are on. If you would like to join the conversation here, how's it going? Actually, pretty ignorant to the whole situation, just hoping to find out where Bolsonaro was in the fight. And it sounds like he's on the ropes, but doesn't want to let go. And that might lead to a powder keg type situation, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of been the fear with Bolsonaro, um, both, you know, in 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 this situation and also. uh um, in in the uh, Bolsonaro has has because um, I've, I've been covering him for a while. So, uh, no nowhere near you know the extent that that Brian has, but um, but uh, Bolsonaro has kind of adopted the same sort of 
um, I guess you could call it like like kind of antipathy to uh, democratic outcomes and democratic results um, <clears throat> that we have seen uh, from you know other politicians in other parts of the Americas, uh, you know specifically the U.S. Um, and his background as you know as as a big supporter of the former military dictatorship, um, and you know he he has spent a lot of time kind of you know wistfully. Uh, talking about it and wishing that it would come back, and I think that, um, I, I think that you're right. I think he is kind of on the ropes, and I think that he is grasping for power still. Uh, they, yeah, one they of the best really ways, like to, to, yeah, go ahead. One of the best ways to counter that powder keg situation, the potential violent damage to the working class people of Brazil, would be to talk about it before it happens. Something you'll notice is that when a psychopath is revealed, like when the light is shown on, like let's say there's, there's somebody about to rob an old lady, right? Then all of a sudden someone walks by and just shines a flashlight on them. What they'll do is they'll just tuck their tail and kind of, you know, walk off into the distance like a defeated coyote, right? And yeah, so that's I mean, what we need to like do in this situation. Yeah, I mean, we need to bring attention to it before it happens. Sure, so, sure. That's definitely that's definitely true. But like, I guess that the other side of that, right, is that um, when it comes to a situation with somebody like Bolsonaro, somebody powerful, uh, somebody with with a lot of uh, competing interests uh, behind them, somebody you know. Uh, uh, that the possibility of finding a way to kind of, I guess, like walk back, like where you're going with that, right? Um, can 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 become a little difficult because you know there are all of the, there are these competing interests that are really going to be pushing you um, to to continue uh, to to contest the election and to kind of and kind of like urging you on. Uh, to do it. Not that, not that I'm saying that like, he's some sort of like innocent actor here and like, you know, would need that uh, to reject the, the democratic process in Brazil, but just saying that like, um, it just shining the light on it, I think may, I mean, hopefully like that'll do it, but like, you know, obviously the, the fear here, right. Is that you have a situation where there's somebody like, you know, like Lula who wins um, and you know, will it wins on the back of a program of uh, of, of progressive change, change that's going to be good for the working people, um, and the uh, the the elite classes will then strike back, kind of against that, and and do whatever it takes to stop that from happening. In this case, you know, uh, making sure that Bolsonaro is going to be the president, like no matter what, right? So Similar to. Like that one guy, Wang Guaido. Sort of um, Wang Guaido, yeah. Like Wang Guaido is actually a really good example of this. Um, you know, to, to to take it out of like a U.S. perspective because that's not always the most helpful. Obviously, you know, you can make the comparison between uh, Bolsonaro and Trump. That's a very easy one to make. But uh, yeah, Guaido is a good example of this. You have um, a leader who uh, of who um, you know is is certainly not perfect in Maduro and. Um, there are a lot of competing interests going on in Venezuela that are pushing and pulling uh, from the outside and from the inside, right? And, and making things difficult uh, to govern the country. And then uh, you, you have this guy 
Juan Guaido, who, and, and like if anybody's listening, they kind of forget who this guy was or, or they don't know. Uh, he was just, he kind of just declared himself president after uh, one of the elections and was then just like recognized by the UK, the US, Canada, um, uh, <laughs> a, a few other like Western countries, or actually I think a lot of Europe. Um, Anonymous uh, is hilarious, by the way. So Anonymous just said, um, US deep state be like, let's Guaido. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, <laughs> and so they know exactly what's up. Yeah, he was absolutely an operative of the United States deep state. I believe he was trained in Georgia at the US military academy for, um, like dark operatives for like overthrowing Central American countries. I think it's a good point that it's a lot harder to do when everyone's watching. And I have a friend named Camila Escalante, who's from Kausasha uh, News. She runs with Ali Vargas, and she's here covering the elections, too. And she's just like, they, they're a news service that covers all of Latin America based out of Bolivia, right? And she's like, normally these things don't happen when everyone in the entire world is watching, right? Because even like the mainstream media channels that supported Lula's imprisonment and supported the parliamentary coup against Dilma Rousseff are now warning everybody that Bolsonaro is going to try a coup. So I, it, it's hard to believe that that he would be able to pull it off. But the way he's trying to do it is he's getting the army involved in auditing the, the vote count. He's been spending the last year making these Trump-like claims in reverse, you know, like Trump claims that the paper ballot system in the U.S. is fraudulent and Bolsonaro has been claiming that the electronic ballot system here is fraudulent. But, you know, uh, he's managed to they've managed to pressure the electoral court into allowing the military to audit like 56 electronic ballot machines. So if the if the army, does, you know, pulls off some trick where they make it look like those machines are all broken or fraudulent or something, they could use that as a justification for not accepting the results of the election, you know? So that, that's what we're really worried about. But definitely having everybody in the world watching is, is helping, you know? It's helping. And I think that's one of the reasons probably that the army, at least from the internal poll that, that was released to the media, is, doesn't seem to be on board with the plan. Yeah. So what? So what did happen? Because when you cut out, you were talking about um, the September seventh and, and the fact that that didn't work, and now his, you know, they've all been kind of uh, shut down. So, so what exactly happened there? I wasn't completely full, paying attention while, while that was going down. What, what was what was the kind of uh, series of events? Well, there was this whole media, um, you know, barrage of media stories, even in Anglo press and stuff, that there would be an attempted coup on. September 7th, or that there would be some huge violent terrorist act that would cause the president to declare a state of emergency and cancel the elections. And, you know, a week beforehand, the electoral court froze the bank accounts of all of Bolsonaro's biggest billionaire donors and um, froze all of their social media accounts after they had discovered them planning a coup d'etat on September 7th in their Telegram chat group. You know, so. Um, Whatever was going to really happen was, you know, didn't work. So, yeah, so, so, and, and so now it's been, so now what, I mean, so what is the situation now? Because this is the president of the country. Been, I mean, it feels like there's a bit of a crisis going on, even if it's not uh, like overt. 
Of course, yeah. No, it's it's kind of scary, but it looks like um, Lula just has too much momentum right now. You know, like if if Bolsonaro can shrink, if he can grow to the point where it was like a three to five point difference on October 2nd on Election Day, crime fraud, you know, might be able to convince the people to, you know, approve of him canceling the elections or something. But right now, like just as we're speaking, the latest poll came out from Datafolia, which is saying 48% to 33%. You know, so that's that's still a very big lead for Lula. That's 15 points. You can't really cry fraud with a 15-point swing. You know, that's like in Brazil, that would be like, you know, 16 or 17 million vote difference. Uh, so that's yeah. that's promising. And more people are pl- are jumping ship. They appear to be jumping ship from Ciro Gomez and joining the Lula campaign, including many of his own political party. That is that's really interesting. I definitely want to talk about uh, Gomez because we talked about him uh, before uh, last time we were on. Uh, 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 but um, I do I do just want to take Brady here real quick just to continue that conversation because I think he probably has. A, a, a reply to that. So, Brady, go ahead. All right. Uh, never mind that. Um, so, uh, so, so, Ciro. Um, oh no, there he is. Everyone's having a little bit of trouble today. I felt like he was going to come on and I was going to get bumped. Oh, no. Well, Brady, yeah, guys, uh, I figured it oh, out. I apologize. When when this bug happens, you need to clear your cache. And there's an ah. option that comes up now, and that helps to do it. Usually you have to shut down the app and reload it again, and then you're able to come back in. But that's what's going on. Um, I apologize. I was just going to ask um, – what Lula is doing as far as cannabis legalization is cannabis are how legal is cannabis in Brazil is Lula. Where does she stand on? Where does Lula stand on that? And um, do you think that would maybe help to bring some attention to the, the circumstance? That's it. Um, okay. So that's a good question. And um, basically uh, during Lula's government, they decriminalized cannabis possession so that um, there's no actual penalty for possession of under, I don't know, something like 20 grams of cannabis. All the police can legally do is recommend that you get treatment. But what happened is that um, basically the police just didn't pay any attention to the law in, in poor neighborhoods. So there's still places where they're shooting teenagers for smoking pot, like shooting them in the leg or like making them eat all of their pots at gunpoint and stuff like that. Whereas the rich people, middle class, they can walk around smoking a joint and the police won't bother them. So it's a it's a screwed up situation still. But it's definitely, it can't be a campaign issue at this point because um, Brazil is really, you know, despite being more successful at, at electing leftist candidates and things like that, Brazil's really a pretty conservative country socially, like, a poll just came out that said 37% of Brazilians consider themselves to be neither right nor left, like centrists, whatever that means in Brazil. 
35% consider themselves to be conservative, and 26% consider themselves to be leftists. And even so, Lula's winning in, you know, in the polls and everything. So he's got a bunch of people on board who are socially conservative uh, on many things. And unfortunately, as part of the legacy of the military dictatorship, like marijuana use still has this huge stigma, especially in the lower middle class and the working class. You know, so I think there's it's not like, you know, Uruguay, which legalized it completely. I mean, Brazil, has. I think it has a long way to go. I mean, there's going to have to be a lot of kind of like denazification of society before Lula can push through full legalization. Yeah, he said. And, and, you know, I I think that it's also, uh, you know, one thing that um, always need to, like, remember is that Brazil is a country of over 200 million people. I mean, like there and, and it's. Uh, has uh, very complex and complicated politics that, that like you're saying, are not so easily uh, pinned down. I do want to go back to Gomez. So can you talk a little bit about that, about how um, they are uh, – so some of his supporters are, are, are switching teams now. They're going to Lula? Well, first of all, his support never blew up as Glenn had predicted on this show. Right. Glenn was saying, oh, yeah, it's just a, a short matter of time before Ciro's going to be pulling at 12 13%. It never happened, right? And he's just become more and more unhinged. He's been attacking Lula for defending abortion rights, you know, Gomez? Uh, as a pro-lifer. Gomez, yeah. And basically, he's just spreading a lot of conspiracy, Machiavellian conspiracy theories, like Lula got himself arrested on purpose as part of a Machiavellian plan to increase the number of uh, Workers' Party members in Congress and just crazy stuff. And he's made alliances with some lunatics like this guy named Cabo Daciolo, who is his senatorial candidate. Meanwhile, his party, the PDT, which he's only been in for like four years, it's been infiltrated by this Duganist group called the New Resistance who are basically, you know, fascists or whatever you want to call, you know, the nationalists or something. And they're now an internal tendency of the party. And Ciro has never repudiated them or complained about them or anything. And uh, so it's pretty, you know, it's pretty crazy. So like the senatorial candidate in Rio is this evangelical religious nut job in Ciro's party and coalition, which meant that, David Miranda would have had to go to campaign events with this guy um, repeatedly, you know, if David hadn't gotten sick. Yeah, this far-right extremist. Yeah, exactly. This guy, this guy, I mean, I, I wouldn't say exactly far-right extremist, just a lunatic. Like, during, he ran for president in 2018, this guy, Cabo Daciolo, and basically he just went up onto a mountainside and started camping out and refusing to appear anywhere and saying that God was going to give him the election. He was, I mean, he was like visibly unhinged. He was, he was posting YouTube, Facebook, whatever, Instagram videos of him just, you know, like on this mountaintop. <laughs> and, uh, and so Messianic David Miranda would have had, and he's not, I mean, this guy's like anti-gay because he's very seriously like evangelical Christian. And David would have had to appear with this guy in all these campaign events if he hadn't gotten sick, you know? And, I mean, it looks like he got really sick. 
So, but yeah, he's been yeah. now he's been in intensive care for like five weeks. Well, it certainly seems like he dodged a bullet with that. Then, I mean, like obviously being sick is horrible, but at least he didn't have to uh, uh, do campaign events with this with this lunatic. Well, the the funny thing about it is, like, I'm not saying he's not sick, but he doesn't. You know, he, he's. He's obviously got really sick. I mean, like he probably almost died. I'm not saying like, oh, they made this up or something like. But then like Glenn is saying he's not going to talk about the elections until David gets out of the hospital because he's so upset about David, you know, which I'm sure he is. You know, however, it he's still going on Fox News. Isn't he still coming on the Tucker Carlson show and talking about American politics? Yeah, he did. Someone last week, told, yeah. yeah, someone told me he was on Tucker last week. So in Brazil, he's saying he's too upset to talk about politics or the elections or make any public appearances or whatever. But he's still coming on Fox News, like d defending Nazis or whatever the hell he does on Fox News all the time on, on Tucker. I mean, Tucker's show, you know, yeah, so I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> a bit of a double standard, uh, you could say, uh, certainly. You would um, think he would be worried about a fascist taking control of Brazil. Who's threat? You know, whose followers have threatened to kill him. Yeah, I guess I guess uh, things have changed uh, for some reason uh, on that end, uh, or at least with the audience that he's targeting. But um, but I do want to stick uh, just because we could we could really just uh, spend the rest of the time talking. <laughs> about that, but, yeah, um, but uh, uh, you know, I I, I do want to um, just so. Lula at 48%, right? So if he gets 2% plus one vote more, then he would avoid a runoff. Isn't that right? Can you can you kind of, and how many other people are well, still running? It's confusing, right? Because um, he could also win if he has more than the total of all the other candidates combined. And also when they, when they say 48%, 48% of those polled, but then if they look at valid votes, like it's probably 51, 52% because some people polled aren't, don't have, they're not registered to vote sometimes or whatever. That is a complicated system, but yeah, basically valid, the number of valid votes is usually a couple points higher than the number of that you officially poll at. So there at this number, the polling agency is predicting a first round win if the election were held tomorrow. And you know, that would solve a lot of problems if he can win it in the first round. And that's why everyone's saying now, even all of these historical enemies of Lula are coming out of the woodwork and endorsing Lula because they're just saying like, look, I mean, if we let this go to the second round, anything could happen, you know, especially with all of the big data Cambridge analytical style tactics that the Bannon and his crew are, um, you know, coaching through. Like I got a buddy named um, Danny Shaw who's a, he's like a pundit. He's a professor at city university of New York. And he comes on different, like he comes on Telesur sometimes uh, he's involved with the PSL party or whatever. And he was just like, he's a big guy. He's a former boxer and he was, and he's bald, you know, so he's like walking through the crowd of Bolsonaro fans during the um, bicentennial celebration in Copacabana. And someone just assumed he was a right winger. He's kind of a scary looking guy. And so they invited him on top of this giant sound car and he was introduced to Jason Miller. You know, so Jason Miller was down there. A bunch of these Trump people are down here with Bolsonaro trying to help him win. 
And that's what's troubling about it because, you know, they, they have a whole, you know, field guide of dirty tricks that are illegal down here that they got away with last time around. You know, uh, Bannon at this event in South Dakota hosted by Mike Lindell that Eduardo Bolsonaro participated in uh, last year, the My Pillow guy, um, Bannon said yeah. that the, these elections are the second most important election in the world, the, these Brazilian presidential elections, to Bannon. You know, it, it, what it means is if, if Bolsonaro can pull this off, fascism will be ingrained in Brazilian culture. It isn't yet because he's only been in power little little less than four years. Like the fact that the elections are still happening means that Brazil hasn't become a fascist country yet. But we don't know what could happen if he stays in power another four years. If he stays in power for another four years, it'll have repercussions for decades to come. And that's why Bolsonaro, that's why Bannon obviously would love Bolsonaro to get elected right now. And why, you know, the Democrats who historically they were involved in the process, Democratic, it was the Obama administration that started working on Lava Jato and all of that, that ended up with Lula's illegitimate arrest and everything. They're now, it seems like they're now a lot more on board with Lula becoming president than they would have been if it wasn't Bolsonaro in power right now, you know? Like, it seems like a lot of people in the Democratic Party are now behind Lula as well, which I think is a good thing. You know, I just hope that they can maintain positive relationship if Lula wins and takes power and stuff like that, and they'll be supportive. Because, you know, the history of both parties in, the, in Latin America isn't very good. Yeah, it's kind of, it kind of sounds like they're seeing it as an all-hands-on-deck kind of moment right now. So they're like, Exactly. They're stuff, which, um, which, which, which is interesting. It's, it's also, like, just to go back to, to what you're saying about Gomes, I mean, like, for him to just kind of be doing this unhinged, these unhinged attacks uh, on Lula, like these increasingly over-the-top, um, it kind of like it puts the lie to, um, and obviously he's not the only person who said this, but you know, when, when Glenn came on and you guys had your debate here on the show, uh, you guys can check that out if you scroll down far enough. I think it was like in February or March. Um, but you know, uh, uh, during that, um, you know, it, it, what, what Glenn was saying, I think that what a lot of Gomes supporters would say, and this is kind of the more important thing, like what his supporters would say, uh, is that, you know, he wasn't running as a spoiler. He was running because he really cared about these issues. Like, that was why he really wanted to, like, make sure that um, that that this could, like, that this kind of, you know, that, that this stuff would be, um, sorry, I'm babbling here, but what I'm trying to say is, like, he, like he, was, he was presenting himself as someone who, who was supporting the candidate who wanted to just, you know, get these issues out there and that there was no spoiler yeah. <laughs> effect going on, right? That there was no spoiler, yeah. like that wasn't what this is about. And, it was just um, Glenn's pure code of ethics. He was just so personally ethical that he had to support Ciro Gomez, right? Because he's so pure, he's so ethical. Right, That's why right. he defends Nazis too, because of his ethics. <laughs> right, because it's the principle, right? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like, and, and, but so it was interesting to like, you know, hear that and then to kind of see, and to kind of see what we're seeing now uh, is really showing that, uh, that what's really going on here is, is really does seem to be like, he's just playing a spoiler. Um, 
and exactly you know, if, what he's doing. Yeah. And if that was what he wants to do, I, you know, whatever, but you know, just, just gotta be like honest about that kind of stuff. Um, Don't pretend because he's flip flopped all over the, you know, ideologically and economically spectrum. <laughs> and he's, I mean, he like, I'll give you an example. He was, um, he was fined by the election court for violating election law this week for erroneously calling Lula's son a thief. Like Lula doesn't have any sons who've ever been accused of thievery or something. It's just these right-wing conspiracy theories that they spread around the time of Lula's imprisonment that his son owned JBS, secretly owned JBS Meatpacking Company, which is just just BS. You know, just like no, his his whole none of his family are that rich. I was just out in Lula's town where he was born on the back country of Pernambuco, drinking with some of his cousins uh, last week when I went to film for Tulsa. And like, he's got a lot of relatives who are still like, you know, dirt poor, just farmers and stuff. You know, like his his cousin who who he used to play with when he was a little kid who went and lived with him in Sao Paulo in the sixties for a while. This guy's like, he owns like three cows. You know, like Lula's family didn't, you, you look at Bolsonaro's sons, it's just come out that they've bought, since Bolsonaro entered politics, his family has bought 51 luxury real estate properties in cash. You know, right, and right. you look at Lula's family, like to call Lula, to call Lula's son a thief while well, this scandal is going on, because this just broke like a week and a half ago about the Bolsonaro family. So it's like a deflection that helps Bolsonaro. You know, it's just like, and, and remember, I don't know if you remember Glenn, all of his principled talk of the founder of Ciro Gomez's latest party, the PDT, this guy named Lionel Brizola, who was a hero of the left during the dictatorship era. Uh, in Philip Agee's CIA diaries, he mentions that Brazola was the most sought, you know, wanted man by the CIA in South America for a while. And he founded the PDT party. But all of the living remaining founders have broke from PDT because of Ciro Gomez. And Brazola's grandson and family members are all saying, don't vote for Ciro Gomez, vote for Lula right now, just to give you an idea. Yeah, it's like he's completely lost. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's completely lost his base. No, he, I mean, he's still got this base of people who hate Lula, who want to kind of want to like act sophisticated. It's kind of like class hatred. It's middle class people who who they want to act. They don't like Bolsonaro. They they like you know like there's a saying in Brazil: the bourgeoisie prefers a fascist who eats with a knife and fork. And that's why some people don't like Bolsonaro, because he's just like a caveman or something, you know. And so they want someone who's not Lula, but who's also not Bolsonaro. So they they go for a zero. I mean, he's still polling at around eight percent. But all um, the head of the biggest polling agency predicts a ma a, a big he thinks um, Gomez is going to lose about half of his support in the next 10 days to Lula, you know, because people are just beginning to because one of um the other, the biggest historical like third path candidate, uh, Marina Silva. I know this is a lot of information for people maybe who don't know that much about Brazil, but she she used to be in PT. She's like an environmentalist, and you know she was backed by the Guardian in 2014, and the New York Times really liked her and stuff like that. She became this kind of like 
green environmental capitalist and uh, really started spreading a lot of hate about Lula, they finally made up and actually just literally just hugged, hugged it out. They're old friends, you know, uh, last week. And this is causing a lot of Ciro supporters to switch over to Lula right now as well, because he's showing a capacity to, like, forgive former enemies in a big way. And that's, you know, we need someone right now who can forgive, who's capable of, like, basic human emotions like forgiveness who's not just dominated by hate, which is what Bolsonaro is. He's just like consumed by hatred. Yeah. The sh- I mean, the shit that I've uh, just um, heard of him saying is, is, is completely over the top on almost every level. Right. I mean, like the, the homophobia, the um, I mean, the homophobia alone is just absolutely revolting. It's, it's disgusting. It's like the kind of thing that even, uh, you know, for, for, Obviously, the you know the audience of this show is is uh, almost all people from the U.S. Right, like the kind of stuff that Bolsonaro says. If you're not familiar with it, like you would you would not hear even in in the in the worst dregs of the American right. Would people be you know, like if you shit? if you have a gay son, it's because you didn't beat him enough. Yeah, it's it's just it's complete. It's 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 almost it's almost like it, it's it's almost like ridiculous. Like how horrific it is um it's almost like he's gay is what, and can't admit it is what it seems like yeah i mean he's gotta i mean he's gotta there's gotta be something going on there he's really goes out of his way to always constantly be spreading uh homophobia you know and also so, it's like always and, and he's also like always like um you know wishing for the dictatorship i guess um I guess my last question, you know, to you just just while uh, while we're still while we still have you um, is, uh, you know, you said if Bolsonaro gets uh, reelected here, that that is going to be uh, a moment that will be kind of like it'll have ramifications. It'll it'll really uh, make fascism part of the political system and, and or like it'll, it'll ingrain it into the. Brazilian political system in, in, in a way that we haven't seen. And I guess uh, what I'm wondering is like, so if, if, how did that not happen with the military dictatorship or did it happen, but Brazil has come out of it and now, and and now we're afraid that it could come back. It did. No, I mean, okay. Like Noam Chomsky and Edward Herman coined the term sub fascist to describe the Brazilian military dictatorship, as well as some that came a little bit later, like Pinochet in Chile and the dictatorship, the junta in Argentina. Like, it's there's a specific kind of fascism named after what we had in Brazil, you know? And, um, like, some of the things, it was, why was it called sub-fascism? Because unlike Hitler, or Mus- maybe Mussolini too, where it's all about the glory of your homeland, they, submor- they subordinate that to the United States. So it was like sub uh, they 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 practice all of the characteristics of European fascism, you know, declaring war on an internal enemy, harnessing all the military to um, torture and arrest and kill internal enemies, like in uh, which were the communists, the people who they called communists, and things like that. But they remained subordinate to the United States. They didn't invade other countries and things like that. So it's called sub-fascist. So yeah, I mean. This is what we're talking about. It would like Brazil has gone through this tremendous process 
of like removing fascism as much as possible from society and at least pushing it back into the woodworks. What's happened with Bolsonaro shows that they didn't succeed in eliminating it. It was always bubbling under the surface. And you could see it in the reaction of, in the way that military police still torture people, for example. And the, the military police who don't answer to a regular court of law because when the dictatorship ended, they put a loophole in which allowed them to keep acting as if there's a dictatorship going on. I mean, that's an example of how the dictatorship never left. But but other than that, there was a lot of progress made on a lot of things. I mean, like divorce was only legalized in Brazil in 1978, to, to give you an idea. I mean, there's I mean, when the dictatorship ended, only like 60, 60 percent of Brazilian children were going to school. You know, Brutal. so. Yeah. So this is what. And, so a lot and you know what? Yeah, I mean, a lot like the idea that the dictatorship didn't believe in the universal right to public education. You know, so and Bolsonaro, like one of the first things he tried to do, he tried to outlaw university instruction of sociology and philosophy. It's like one of the first things he tried to do. He issued a, a executive order outlawing them, but it was overridden by the court, the Supreme Court. Like he's definitely anti-learning. He's gutted all of the, I mean, a lot of uni public universities, which are all free, they're like almost shutting their doors because they're so underfunded now. So, yeah, but one know, way or another, right? Yeah, I mean, he couldn't end the affirmative action that resulted in 52% of the public, free public university students being black for Brazilian. He couldn't end it, so he just decided to butcher spending on universities. So he's almost trying to like end all the universities. That's wild. So yeah, I mean, I guess I I, I can certainly see that another uh, another term for Bolsonaro would be a disaster. I think would be. I don't think that's an overstatement. Um, you there are four year terms, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, okay, so if he just ignores the election results and stays in power. There's no more terms. Yeah, that's, of course, like. We there, um, which we certainly hope that we do not see. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, because I think that that is like the kind of like destabilizing thing that they can really just. Um, it would be bad for the U.S. too, you know. It would be really bad for the U.S. So anyway, let's end this on a positive note. You know, the poll shows Lula 15 points ahead. It's pretty hard to pull off a coup with, as um, I guess it was Gavin who said, with everybody watching in the entire world when you're losing 15 points in the polls. And yeah, we're only yeah. two and a half weeks off. Well, fingers crossed, and 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 we'll have you back for uh, f for that to to uh, to break down the results, whatever they are. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be a celebratory um, episode. Brian, thank you so much for joining. Where can people find your work and find you? Well, I got an I got a review of this new PBS documentary about Bolsonaro coming out in Fair in the next couple of days. I write for Brazil Wire. I'm on Twitter, and I'm a correspondent for Telesur. Doing a lot of coverage for Telesur in the next um, two weeks before the election. So you can see all of my news clips and stuff on my Twitter feed. Excellent. 
All right, thanks, uh, Brian. So, uh, and uh, if you're listening live or on replay on the app, please be sure to like or subscribe. Um, if you're following along via Apple, Google, uh, or Spotify, uh, be sure to like, subscribe, do all of that stuff. Consider getting the Colin app so you can join in. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.